0: Hello lovely friends, welcome to Uncovering the Subconscious, the podcast for all things random and sweet, including spirituality, manifestation, mindset growth, and a sprinkle of my random life updates and recommendations. My name is Dana and this podcast is for anyone who wants to learn more about spirituality and mindset, particularly at the starting few years of your spiritual journey. Hi friends, welcome to Uncovering the Subconscious podcast. I'm so excited to have you back for another episode. So for today's episode, I'm very, very fortunate that my amazing friend Danny, who is a relationship and dating psychotherapist in training, will be joining to discuss attachment theory. So Danny discusses the uh, four, the four attachment theories and the importance of understanding them. And she also talks about how it can relate back to your childhood and connect with your relationships today. So in this episode part one, we're going to talk all about attachment theory and in next week's episode part two, we're going to talk all about dating and all the amazing questions that all you listeners have sent through and I'm so, so excited for both episodes and I hope you're excited as well. So without further ado, I think we should get straight into it. Hi, friends. So, we have Danny here who is a relationship and dating counsellor in training. So, Danny, if you'd like to introduce yourself, who you are, and what is your exact title?
1: Yeah. So, thanks for having me on the podcast today. Um, so, as you know, my name is Danny and I am currently in my final year of my master's in counselling and psychotherapy. So, I've got about six months left of it. Um, and I, well, at the end of the six months, I will essentially be a qualified counsellor and psychotherapist.
0: Amazing. So what actually drew you into studying this?
1: So um, I did my undergrad in forensic psychology, but I never thought I was going to kind of go down the psychology path. Um, I just had an interest in people and wanting to like know about their minds and things like that. Um, And then it was actually a few years ago, I was living in Hawaii and I, um, through a mutual, through a friend, I came across this astrologer. Um, who ended up studying astrology through her program and she is actually a psychotherapist and would use astrology um, sort of as a means to help understand people in the psychotherapeutic space and so when I heard about her title I'd heard of psychotherapy before um, but when I kind of heard about how she used it it inspired me to study it more and like yeah find out ways that I can kind of integrate it into like my own practice.
0: So you actually have quite a, you've uh, done a degree or you've done some studying in astrology as well. So you're going to yep. combine the two and use it once you've studied, uh, once you've graduated?
1: Yeah, I would like to. I'm not sure at the moment how I'm going to do it, but at some point in the future, I would like to integrate astrology and psychotherapy together um, and kind of use a more like holistic approach.
0: Amazing. Yeah. And I will be getting you back on the podcast <laughs> when you're at this point. I'm so excited for I look that. look forward to it. <laughs> So apart from astrology, is there any other interest particularly in the relationship and dating scene that you're drawn to?
1: Yeah, so I'm really passionate about attachment theory. Um, I did a subject on it last year and I'd heard of it previously in the past um, and I always felt like it was something I wanted to learn more about and so since, yeah, diving into it like like a lot deeper in this course, um, I've become really fascinated by it and Yeah, using it to kind of understand people in the relationship sense, like on a deeper
0: level. And definitely, whenever I have hung out with you, you have told me a lot about it, (laughs) and I absolutely love it. If there's anyone Uh, with relationship problems, you have given us such good advice using attachment theory. But for anyone who doesn't know, can you explain what attachment theory is? Yeah, so
1: attachment theory is um, literally a theory. So um, it can be misconstrued. Sometimes I think people think it's very much like, the be all and end all, um, but it was developed by a man called John Bowlby, um, I can't remember when it was, but quite a few years ago now, and um, pretty much it's a theory based around that the way that we, um, the way that we are raised and like, uh, what am I trying to say? So pretty much we mm-hmm. have a, um, a main caregiver, um, which can be like, it can either be a parent, a grandparent, um, foster care, anything like that, and based on how we were raised and our relationship to them, um, that defines how our attachment will be in the future with um, friendships and um, relationships, but it's more so aimed at romantic relationships. Okay, so um, it's a lot yeah.
0: about childhood, like kind of determining where you fit? Or- yeah, it's yeah.
1: very much, a, it's very much based on essentially our, our main caregivers kind of Based on the the way we were raised through childhood, it formed us to become the way we are today. Um, And so that's like the premise of it is that it's all rooted in childhood and and very, very, like very much our formative years.
0: Yeah, 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 that makes sense. So what are the actual different attachment styles that there are so that people can have an idea of what they relate most to?
1: Yeah, so there are four attachment styles. Um, so most people that have heard of attachment would have heard of secure attachment, um, anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, and there's also a fourth one called disorganized attachment. Um, so they're the four main ones, and um, it's kind of like people then categorized into these into these different attachment styles based on their behaviour.
0: So can you describe exactly what each attachment theory means? Yeah, so. Um, I'm going to just
1: start with disorganized attachment because I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it. Um, Disorganized attachment is one of the least common ones and um, it's got like the lowest percentage of people experience a disorganized attachment. Um, So a disorganized attachment is essentially... um, pretty much if you have a disorganized attachment, generally um, it's due to having experienced some trauma in your formative years. Um, And so disorganized attachment is pretty much a mixture of all attachment styles in the the sense that there's not really much consistency in how you attach to people. Um, So there may be moments where you're really attached to people, like highly attached or really um, detached, um, which can be quite um I guess a bit challenging in some ways because there's no like like I said there's no consistency in how you're going to react to people yeah um so that is again yeah based on um the people that were around you growing up the experiences you've had um and it doesn't really get spoken about that much yeah because um, I hadn't
0: heard about it until the other day when you mentioned it and yeah that was not in the book <laughs> yes
1: yeah, so that wasn't in the book <laughs> attached which we all love um but I think because it is not that common. Um and I think it also is quite it can be quite hard to also uh I think diagnose kind of die diag- yeah. like diagnose I'm using quotation marks because <laughs> there's no diagnosis for attachment, but like yeah, as essentially label someone as disorganized. Um I think you kind of have to know someone on a, on a more intimate level mm-hmm. in the sense to know whether they're disorganized whereas I think with it's the other attachment level. styles it's a little bit easier to see what their attachment style is, it's a bit more clear. So in that sense, yeah, I won't go into it too deeply. Um, So the next one I'll talk about very briefly is the secure attachment. Mm -hmm. The secure attachment is, again, in quotation marks, the ideal attachment. Um, So basically, if you have a secure attachment, pretty much it means that your parents or your, your main caregivers were consistent in their attention to you and their availability to you. So something I didn't mention earlier when you asked, like, what is attachment theory? Um, I did say it's based on the way that we are raised, mm. but it's very much based on how consistent our caregivers were in um, showing us love, affection, having proximity to us um, and things like that. So it was really like how, yeah, how consistent were your, were your caregivers um, growing up? And so with a secure attachment, generally um, you would assume that someone with a secure attachment had caregivers that were very consistent were always there when they needed them Um, you know were able to help regulate like their child's emotions Um, and so if you have a secure attachment you find it quite easy to um, form form relationships Um, but you also find it easy to I guess end them when you can see that they're no longer serving you which is a little bit different to the other attachment style so you're able to People with a secure attachment generally, are, they find it quite easy to be vulnerable on some level without it kind of impacting them on a deeper level. They yeah, can openly have conversations about what's bothering them. Um, you know They don't assume that when their partner is going out the door to work that their partner is going to be abandoning them that day. <laughs> um, and so it's more just like they're not going to be constantly overthinking everything that's going on in the relationship. or um, Yeah, they're pretty much able to address issues when they come up and find it a lot easier to um, be in a relationship because they weren't raised with this, I guess, anxiety or um, feeling that people aren't going to be able to offer them the support that they need.
0: So do you think though, um, are there other factors that can affect what attachment you are? So like for me, I would say I'm... Oh, not anxious, what's the other one? Avoidant. Avoidant. Yeah. I would say I'm avoidant, <laughs> but I would say I pretty, I, I had a pretty steady childhood going mm-hmm. up, growing up and I had parents that were attentive. And do you, are there other factors that can kind of come into it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, based on like the theory, it is very much based on your main caregivers. Um, but I think that there can be elements of, um, you know, like your parents can be, Can be really attentive to you but there may have been one instance where they weren't as attentive as as a child you needed them to be and then that kind of created like a formation of oh okay i now can't rely on people because they're not here for me when i need them Um, and it can even be little things so i think the thing with attachment theory is that it makes our parents sound like they're really bad if we haven't like got the ideal secure attachment but the thing to remember is Majority of people don't actually have a secure yeah. attachment either, um, and that's just because we're human and our parents make mistakes and they're not and perfect in themselves. They're
0: probably not necessarily a secure attachment either. Yeah, I think a part I read of the book which was really good. I think it was in that book, and it was, it's also part of like taking responsibility for yourself. Like, yeah, um, to a certain degree, I feel like a lot of blame can go on parents, but then there's yeah. a degree where it's recognizing it and kind of doing the work from there.
1: Yeah. So with, um, no, definitely like with attachment theory, um, like I said, it is a theory. So it's kind of like you can yeah. either believe it or you can take it with a grain of salt. But um, it's not about like the way that I like to look at it is like it's not about making excuses and being like, oh, well, I can't help that I'm like this because I have this attachment. It's like, okay, you might have this attachment. It may be, you know, not doing like you service at times but then you can also change your attachment so something about it is that it's not actually set in stone we can heal our attachments it's not permanent we can actually all strive towards having a secure attachment Um, it's just a matter of being aware of what your attachment is consciously doing the work to improve it picking up patterns when you do um, engage with like you know the patterns of your attachment um, and the other thing about attachment is that it can only be healed um, in relationship yeah. with others. So not necessarily romantic relationship. Um, I would say okay. probably a romantic relationship would probably be the most ideal situation to, situation to heal it in. Because I yeah. do think we connect with friendship, like friends, differently to a romantic partner. but. Um, Yeah, if you speak to anyone who actually, like, works really deeply with attachment theory, they'll always say the only way to heal your attachment is through other people because it's a relational – it's a relational, um, like – kind of thing that you're experiencing so the only
0: way to heal it is through other relations it's so true because I even see like the avoidant coming out in some of my friendships like if I feel something is like something has gone wrong I my go-to is to be like okay the friendship's ending which is Mm. something I'm working through and it's like realizing (laughs) that that's just the avoidant attachment yeah I think a good part of the book as well what it talked about is working out how to live with being an avoidant or being an anxious attachment and I feel like that's the first step to moving to being secure is learning how to be avoidant or be anxious. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's also, um, at times it's also important to remember, like we might like label ourselves as having these attachment styles, but there are also times when we may just be having a reaction because of how the other person is. So we don't always have to, even though like I love attachment and I love like hearing what people's attachment style is. It's also there will be moments where it is actually natural for us to engage in these attachment behaviors based on whatever whatever the behaviors are um purely because of the the way that the other person is responding and that's going to be a natural reaction we're going to be having to their you know like for example i feel like it's hard to just say without giving an example so for example, if someone is you know, constantly pulling away from you or being really inconsistent with their messaging to you, it's going to be quite natural that if you're interested in them to get anxious if yeah. they're inconsistent. doesn't mean you're an anxiously attached person. That's just natural to feel anxious because you're like, why are they being inconsistent? Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes but it
0: isn't necessarily the label, which I think yeah. is so important to not always label yourself as anxious or avoidant. Yeah, and yeah, also I just know that
1: so even true. if you do label yourself as that, you can always change it and to also just not use it as an excuse to to continue continue engaging in unhealthy behaviours that aren't actually serving you or the person that you're, you know, involved with. Yeah. So we spoke a a little bit about secure attachment. So I'm now going to move on to the anxious attachment. Um, This is the one that I probably feel the closest to because I would say that I am a mix of anxious and a little bit secure. Um, So I know a lot about this one. Um, So an anxious anxious attachment is... um, Pretty much what it is is that growing up your caregiver was there for you and they were loving and caring however they were um, inconsistent with the love and care that they gave you so it's not like oh it's not necessarily that your um you know your parents like abandoned you or whatever um I mean that's a possibility we hope not but it's more so that it was just inconsistent so for example there may be one day where Let's say your mother was your main caregiver. Your mother was really loving and really caring towards you. And then the next day she was really cold to you and you didn't know why and she wasn't interacting with you. So if that was like a consistent thing or, mm-hmm. um, or for example, your your mom was there for the first, you know, for a solid six months and then suddenly she she left for the next six months and then came back six months later. So it was like inconsistent in how, in how close she was to you, physically close. Um, that can also develop into an anxious attachment that pretty much the processing within the child is that, oh, I need love and I need affection and I I trust this person, but also on some level I don't trust them because they're not here for me. Mm-hmm. They were here for me one day and now they're not here for me. And so that means people always leave.
0: They start seeing signs that reflect back to their childhood from their mother or from their father. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So, the, so the kind of belief that forms is that I can't trust that people will stay because people won't stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with an anxious attachment, um, a big uh, I kind of feel like this is generalizing but a big kind of uh wounding from that sits within atta- that sits within anxious attachment is um abandonment and fe- like yeah. fear of being abandoned um so yeah there's like the there's kind of the belief that or not the belief I don't want to say belief because it's not actually conscious it's not something we consciously do but like unconsciously or subconsciously we try to like hold on to people because we go, if we let them go, they're not going to come back. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a lot of, I guess, fear that sits underneath anxious, anxious attachment. Um, And I'm sure if people, if anyone listening has an anxious attachment, you may be able to to like relate to, you know, um, if you're not sure if someone likes you, it can be quite anxiety inducing because you're like, I just don't know, like, you know, are they going to leave me? And so it's really wanting and desiring this Um, This connection and wanting to you know have this consistency but also not trusting that people will stay which uh, you know can in turn create like a ripple effect that then leads to issues in the relationship and things like that based on behavior so not everyone has such extreme behaviours. Some people can be quite... I hate using this word because I hate labelling people, but it can come as quite come across as quite clingy behaviour yeah. um, or starting fights with your partner for some reason um, because you, underneath there's actually a deep fear that they're going to leave you. Um, but they may just be going... Like, for example, if your partner is like, hey, I'm going out with my friends tonight for a drink um, and then you're like, what time will you be home? I thought we were hanging out. Oh, no, um, I'll be back later. Like if even your partner hanging out with their friends can at times feel like they're abandoning yeah. you. And so
0: I guess like yeah. even like past relationships can strengthen this. Like if there were issues in past relationships, say if um, you were cheated on before or mm-hmm. anything like that, that's only going to yeah. strengthen that anxious. Even though yeah. this person um, hasn't done anything, this person hasn't cheated on you, but it's because you've already got that experience. And you've got this childhood experience. It's just this idea that it's happened once before, it's gonna happen again. Yeah. And it's this belief that yeah, it comes in.
1: Exactly. And I think um I mean I know you talk a lot about like law of attraction and manifestation. Yeah. And I think I mean that's this is that's manifestation and attachment theory aren't like the same thing but i think the more you do believe that people are a particular way it can then perpetuate more of that within yourself and so if you keep thinking someone's going to leave you or in the past you got hurt it's strength like you said strengthening that belief that people do abandon you and so people can't be trusted and um you know i really like this person but oh they're just going to leave me eventually again like these are not all conscious thoughts that we have so it's not like you know if you have an anxious attachment, you're gonna consciously be like, "Oh, this person's gonna leave." But it is this more yeah. underlying fear that, if you know, if I date this person, how do I know they're gonna yeah. stay?
0: It's it's in the name yeah. of the podcast, guys. It's um, uncovering the subconscious.
1: <laughs> so exactly, <laughs> <a little> <laughs> yeah, and um, so the that go kind of ties into the next attachment style, which is avoid an attachment, and so um that's what I was mentioning earlier about the more you know an anxious person clings it can push people away so an avoidant attachment is uh pretty much when growing up your main caretaker was not um was not consistent in their care for you and they often left you to their own to your own devices in terms of if you needed help with something they weren't really there to help you and so it created this um internalized belief that I can't rely on people because you know I have to do things on my own so I'm not going to rely on anyone else because no one's going to help me and so it's kind of like the it's got similarities to avoid and attach to sorry it's got similarities to anxious attachment in some mm-hmm. ways but it's processed in, it's processed differently um so people with avoidant with an avoidant attachment um generally find it quite hard to um, be close to people so something I didn't mention about anxious attachment sorry I'm going to jump back is that they also um, can they can attach to people very quickly mm-hmm. and they get close to people really quickly they can jump into relationships very quickly um, there can be moments of struggling to be alone and so they can kind of they at times can jump from relationship to relationship um, because they just really want to be connected to someone and and sit and find that security that they feel that they're lacking within themselves from growing up and so there can be an element of, like, enmeshment and codependency in relationships. Mm-hmm. So with avoidant on the, on the flip side, they struggle to get too close to people because they don't trust that people are going to stay. So the easiest way to um, avoid getting hurt is by not getting close to people. Yeah. So they may find it easy to be physically, set like, sexual with someone – But when the emotions start to get involved, that's when it gets really difficult for them. And so um, if they start to get feelings and they're not really ready to go down that path with someone yet, um, they can, you know... Like ghost you or leave like this is again generalizing but you know they kind of will like cut it off Um, and there may at times if anyone's dating an avoidant person you might not understand why have they suddenly cut it off Mm -hmm. and if you don't know their attachment style or what they've experienced in their life you just think oh they're just not interested or whatever but it actually may be like these underlying things that they have a fear of getting close because they don't trust that you're going to stay and they don't want to get hurt pretty much Um, so they yeah they do struggle to get too close to people, um, it can take a lot of effort for them to start to trust people in a romantic sense. And yeah. Yeah.
0: So do you think that um, and, and a question I feel like a lot of people might think of is that you can have a bit of both. So for me, I feel like in when it comes to dating, I can be avoidant where um, if there's interest, I'm very much like, mm, don't know if I see it. Whereas I can be anxious if I have interest for them. So do you think you can you can have that bit of both, or do you think it just one might pop up here and there? Or
1: I definitely think we can have a bit of both. In fact, I think we actually probably all have the the main three anxious, secure, and avoidant all um, yeah. in different moments. I think that attachment, even though we do define ourselves as one or two of the attachment styles. I do think that we actually it is like a spectrum, and we can float between different ones depending on who we're in a relationship with, um, what our situation is, and I do think it really changes because, you know, if someone, you know, if someone is really avoidant, and you're if you're dating a really avoidant person, um, you may become more anxious or vice versa. If you're normally really um anxious, you uh, they may become more avoidant than they would normally be based on circumstances, and so I think that. Yeah, we all exhibit multiple different
0: styles. Yes, that makes sense. So what happens then if you have an anxious and avoidant relate like couple together? Because obviously they're on the other side of the spectrum with each other. So what happens when they combine?
1: Yeah, so it's quite interesting because anxious people with an anxious attachment and people with an avoidant attachment are actually often drawn to each other. And they're often drawn to each other because they... um, kind of exacerbate their insecurities within each other so they're actually like mirroring each other and like oh you i believe you're going to abandon me well i don't i believe you're also going to leave so i'm not going to get close to you and so they kind of bring that out in each other and it's like um it kind of recreates i guess an element of their childhood and so unconsciously or subconsciously there is this pull towards each other um so generally when you have an anxious and avoidant couple it definitely can be worked on and it doesn't mean that you're you know doomed to For a a bad or failed relationship, that's definitely not true at all. Um, I have seen people that have an anxious and avoidant um, relationship and they have been very successful in healing that um, through their relationship. Um, But a general pattern you would see is one partner um, needs more space, needs more alone time. Uh, that would be the avoidant person, the anxious person needs more closeness, mm-hmm. um, wants to kind of always fun, always be balance. connected. Yeah. And it's about um understanding how each other work and there can be a lot of miscommunication of like, oh you're too clingy. Oh well you you never want to spend time with me. Mm-hmm. You you prioritize your friendships and things like that instead of me. Um and so it's important I think in those relationships to um actually know what your attachment is recognize what your patterns are and actually openly communicate them and like be open and be like okay right now I'm just feeling like a little bit um like a little bit smothered because I just need some space to myself I just need the next two hours to be alone and it's like if you explain to your partner who's anxious who thinks you're abandoning them Mm. for spending time alone that you're actually just wanting this because it's important to you and it will strengthen your relationship and the dynamic can be so different.
0: So I guess it's about that compromise. So that person mm. who wants to be alone can't get angry straight away at this at the other person for not knowing. So it's about yeah. telling them, it's not about you, it's not about our relationship. I just need some time to myself. So yeah. it's about finding that balance of
1: Yeah, and I think it's also really about validating um like particularly the person that has an anxious attachment yeah. because I actually have an anxious attachment myself. I've been on the end of this and I actually know what it feels like and so I have a lot of Um, I think empathy for people that Mm -hmm. do feel really scared when their partner is like not spending enough time with them. And so I think it's really important for people who are dating someone with an anxious attachment. I mean, also avoidant, but particularly with an anxious attachment to actually understand where does this come from? Why are they like this? What are they experiencing? And actually talking to them because like avoidant people that are, have an avoidant attachment they don't feel the anxiety they just go oh well you know if you're not going to get you know if this is happening for me then i'm just going to like leave and they don't mm. feel anxious about it they just go i'm just they just kind of tap out of the relationship whereas an anxious person dwells and dwells and overthinks and goes what did i do wrong um something i didn't mention earlier which i think is actually quite important is that people with an anxious attachment generally um, when they're dating people they will actually Um, If anything goes wrong in the relationship, they actually tend to blame it on the other person and see all the flaws in the other person, as opposed to going, hang on, what am I doing wrong? Whereas the person with the anxious attachment will see all the positives in the person. And if anything goes wrong in the relationship, they'll actually blame themselves. So it's kind of like the anxious, per- anxious person internalizes the issues that are going on thinking I'm doing something wrong. And the avoidant person goes, actually, you're doing this wrong. Yeah, it's not me. Supposed
0: red flags. Yeah. And-,
1: <laughs> and I think it's a way for them to kind of be like, oh, well, I this gives me a reason to like leave when I feel t- too uncomfortable. And the anxious person goes, but I want you close. So it must be my fault. I, you know, I'm doing all these things wrong. Um and so that's something that you know I like to call it the anxious yeah avoidant dance and because it really is a dance it's this constant yeah. like push and pull between the two attachments um and yeah it's just really about understanding each other understanding what you both need in the relationship communi- communicating that clearly and when you understand that and you validate what each other are feeling that will minimize so many conflicts and issues although I say that but it's so hard to do because mm. people with avoidant attachment struggle with vulnerability and people with an anxious attachment can struggle to say how they really feel because they're mm-hmm. scared if they're honest about how they feel, their partner is going to leave them. Yeah. So it's quite complex, um, but it definitely is something that can be worked on and healed on. I think the first step is actually just recognizing what your attachment is or your primary attachment and then um, figuring out with your partner, if they're open to it, how you can work on that together. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So from there then, what would you say are some tactics for either anxious attachments or avoidant attachments?
1: Yeah, so I would say um, a big one would be seeking out therapy of some sort um, if you are wanting to really work on your attachment. Not all therapists are going to you know, have attachment theory as a primary thing to focus mm-hmm. on, but I think that if that's something that you're wanting to work on, getting some support in that because regardless of whether you talk about attachment or not um, in a therapy session, it is going to come up in terms of how you relate to people. Um, I think the other thing is just being open to self-awareness and self-reflection. You know, um, if you are looking to date or you are in a relationship, writing down what are some things that you're afraid of, you know, like kind of doing like inner child work, um, which I know we've spoken about, but connecting to that young part of you and recognizing what are the wounds that your the younger part of you has and sitting with mm-hmm. that and like like journaling about it making lists like actually putting it all out there and saying okay what am i willing to work on right now what and what needs to be addressed first and foremost um you know practicing i think authentic open communication with people mm-hmm. because yeah. i think um with attachment styles a big thing is that we are afraid to communicate and we're afraid to be, yes. you know, we can be afraid to be vulnerable. We can be afraid that we're going to scare people away for particular reasons. And I think, I'm not saying on the first date, go and be like, oh, my attachment's this, you know. I mean, if you want to, you can. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's just being aware that, you know, you may have these patterns and then recognising, okay, this isn't necessarily, you know, me. This is like a younger part of me. Okay, what is the younger part of me afraid of? How can I nurture that part of myself? Um and yeah just being really being open to explore that within yourself. Mm-hmm. Um like I said earlier the best way to work on attachment is with other people. It's actually something that cannot be worked on alone because your attachment did not form on its own. It formed yeah. in relation to others. So again yeah using therapy or um working on it in a relationship. I don't think that we should go into a relationship solely to work on our attachment because our partner may not be open to it mm-hmm. and they could actually um, hinder our progress at times. Um, but you know, if you meet someone who is open to doing that work with yeah. you, if that's something that you communicate, friendships
0: and your yeah your friendships, even with your parents or with people that are around you, you work with yeah. like anyone. Yeah.
1: yeah, just working on it, noticing when you get triggered. You know, like if you're out with your friends and a friend is like, "I can't hang out today," and you feel triggered so, by that, yeah. noticing okay, what are some patterns? Because we may not even realize what the patterns are where we get when we get triggered. We may just feel the feel the reaction. And so, so if you start to jot down, okay, in this situation, I got triggered when my friends said they weren't free, Mm -hmm. um, and then I saw them go out, that means they hate me and they don't like me anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like, is that something maybe that was a point in time when you were young where you felt that? And so, kind of going back to, okay, so basically, in a nutshell, finding our triggers, I would say writing them down to some extent. Um, connecting that back to a younger part of ourselves and then nurturing and talking to that younger part of ourselves where that wound came from and actually sitting with it and... um and from there i think you can we can gradually build to having a more secure yeah. attachment
0: i think that i think that's great advice and i think what you started off with as well like therapy it's so it's got such a stigma behind it that mm. to go to therapy therapy you have to have like major anxiety or major depression yeah, something it's wrong reason, with you <laughs> the reason for so long i was like i can't see a therapist i'm not bad enough i, mm. I can't i'm not bad enough they're just going to laugh at me when i go in there that was like the yeah. idea i built in my mind and then i ended up going and it's funny, I had like a few things I wanted to speak about and I was like, well, I'll get that done in one session. We covered one topic in the mm, whole session yeah. and I realized how much deeper it really goes and how important therapy is to work through those things you don't really know you have. Yeah. And like to remove that stigma. And even the stigma, it's like, it's like the same as people going to do a poo people don't talk about it yeah they, it's, it's avoided it's like therapy people don't talk you don't talk when you go to therapy you don't tell people go you go to therapy yeah and it's just it's such a terrible stigma and it's just ridiculous yeah
1: like, I think it's really yeah. interesting what you're saying because I think you make a really good point and it's a really important point that there is still stigma around it. I think it is changing, especially mm-hmm. after COVID. I think a lot of, a lot more people recognise that they will benefit from getting some form of therapy, um, and so it is changing. But you know, because I'm studying therapy and all my I'm surrounded by people every day that are going to become therapists or are therapists. Um, for me, it's such a normal conversation to have with yeah. people, and I think that you know, you, like you said, um, you kind of felt thought our oh, therapists will laugh at you for going. Yeah. I think my one little nugget of advice is that. Whether you think you have an issue or not, it's actually irrelevant. I think everyone will benefit from therapy. You can go in there and be like, I feel so happy with my life. My life is perfect. And you will still benefit from having someone to talk to and someone that listens to you like the whole... Such a beautiful thing about therapy is how many times do you get like a solid hour where someone just fully listens to you All they do is sit and they listen to you. We don't get that very often. Often we're responding to people, reacting to people, having conversations where we go, oh, but I can also relate or, you know, sharing our own experience. And it's so nice to have that space where you just get to talk about whatever you need to and it's not about them it's only about yes. you and it like sounds it might sound selfish to some people but it's so important and i mean i can't vouch for therapy enough i think um, it's amazing. It just it's, yeah, it's yeah. so needed and necessary, and there should be no shame in it. No, no. Yeah,
0: but if you are someone that does still, you're still on the edge, and you still don't really, you're not at the point you're ready to go to therapy. Also, looking at online coaches mm-hmm. can be amazing because yeah. that's where I started. I started with an online coach, a group. It was a group uh, course, and that's what made, gave me the courage to go to therapy yeah. and to realize I needed it. So it's so beneficial if you are not ready to take that step to therapy, start looking at the online coaches because that yeah. can really, really help you get there.
1: Definitely. And yeah, I've like gone to therapists and coaches and they offer different things. They give yeah. you different experiences, but um, equally valid and, and important. Exactly, Yep. So is there any last words you want to have or any advice you want to give about attachment theory? I feel like there are so many things I want to say, and I feel like I'm going to listen back to this and be like, I missed out on so many important <laughs> points about attachment. But I think one thing I really want to reiterate, which I mentioned earlier, but that's, you know, attachment theory isn't set in stone. Um, you're not stuck with your attachment forever. You can change it. Um, and, you know, we there will be moments where you weave in and out of different attachments. So you know, if you are listening to this and you're freaking out like, oh no, what will I do? Like, don't be scared because yeah, you can work on it and you can um, move between different attachments and you may move between different ones based on who your friendship group is, who your relationships are with. Um, But another thing I just want to say is, you know, for people to also not use their attachment as a way to continue engaging in behaviours that aren't serving them and um, instead use it as a way to understand yourself on a deeper level and to you know work on the things that you feel that you need to work on or want to work on Um, and then from that be able to grow and improve your own communication because I do think attachment comes down a lot to actually communicating Mm -hmm. and um, being able to you know develop your own vulnerability, vulnerability with other people and your own you know, standing in your own truth and authenticity in relation to connecting with others.
0: Great. Amazing. Love that. (laughs) So as I mentioned at the start of the video, I have turned this into two parts. So that is the end of the podcast episode for today. I hope you really enjoyed it. I would love to hear any of your thoughts. Uh, Let me know what your attachment theory is or what you believe it is. You can also get online and do the quiz. Um, so just to end for today, I would just like to say I am very, very grateful for everyone who sent in questions and just being able to put this podcast together. It's I'm so excited and I'm so excited to be able to share next week's episode with you because of course that's already recorded and I know there's a lot of great content in there and I'm just so I'm so excited to be able to share it with you guys. So again, thank you so much for listening. And I hope your journey for the week is expansive and intuitive. Bye, friends.